Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on site and online at 9.30 a.m. And you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Caressa concludes our Renew Hope series with a sermon titled, Renewing Our Commitment to a Bigger Table. Scripture reading comes from Matthew 9, 9-13, and is read by Mark Ewing. Our scripture reading today comes from Matthew chapter 9. In this passage, Jesus is traveling throughout the region of Galilee, teaching and healing. Jesus heals a paralytic man and then travels to Capernaum, a city he's been to before. This city on the shore of the Sea of Galilee is a major trade route, making it a prime location for the Romans to tax trading merchants passing through town. As Jesus enters Capernaum, he sees Matthew the tax collector sitting on his elevated platform, ready to collect taxes from citizen and merchant. It is this tax collector that Jesus not only approaches, but calls to be his disciple. Listen for the word of God to us this day. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, new hope grounds itself in five values. Putting people first, inviting people to a bigger table, finding joy in serving, fostering a holy discontent, or not fostering one, but, you know, working with a holy discontent, (laughs) and then finding the sacred in the ordinary. These values encompass who we are and what we seek to be about. Now, last Sunday, the message was about putting people first. And together, we renewed our commitment to being a community of faith that puts people's needs in front of our own, and we don't allow differences to distort or divide us. In fact, like uh, Deanna said earlier, we are stronger together. We are better together. So we want to put people first amidst all the other things. There is too much division in this world, and we want to be different here. Well, for the next several weeks, we're going to focus our our attention on value number two, which is inviting people to an open, bigger table. And Jesus exampled this for us throughout his ministry. A lot of his interactions, if you think about it and you go back through the Gospels, a lot of Jesus' interactions with people happened while sitting around a table sharing a meal. And if you'll notice, that often happened outside of the synagogue, outside of the church, in people's homes, in villages, even on the shoreline. And it was there that Jesus met people where they were in their life. 
It was there that he cared for their needs, and it was there that he ministered to their heart. So as I said, this Wednesday we begin Lent with Ash Wednesday. And as we start this Lenten journey, this six weeks journey to the cross and the empty tomb, we're going to meet Jesus at the table. We're going to learn from his teachings, from his interactions with various people. And our sermon series for Lent is going to be based on this book, Meeting Jesus at the Table, by Cynthia Campbell and Christine Four. And again, you're encouraged to get that book to read alongside, um, because each week we are going to take a chapter at a time and let that be our focus for our message as well as our scripture lesson. Now, of course, I had to do things out of order. You know, I couldn't just do it, chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. If you knew me, that's going way outside of my comfort zone. I'm very much an order detail person. But we're going to begin with chapter 2, which uh, is called The Welcome Table. I thought this was a perfect way for us to dive into this sermon series, this Lent book study. Because as you heard in that Matthew scripture from Matthew 9, 9 through 13, Jesus meets them at the table and creates this beautiful welcome table. So what better way to start than with chapter two? And then next week we'll go back and do chapter one. But today we seek to renew our commitment as a congregation but also as individuals to a bigger table where all are invited and all are included. So journey back with me to the first century in the city of Capernaum. You see, every day, Matthew, who was a tax collector, sat on his elevated booth waiting for travelers to pass by and for resident citizens to pay a visit. Now, we might think, oh, tax collector, great job, right? No, you're laughing, right? I think maybe, and I don't know if any of your tax collectors, no offense here, but nobody likes to pay taxes, do we? You do? Wow, okay. And not only do we have to pay federal taxes, but now that I live here, we have to pay a state tax too? Really? So taxes are never on anybody's good radar, right? I mean, it's just something we have to do. It's something we have to pay. So Matthew's job was just a despised job. It was, it was just a money-making, dirty-down job, but somebody had to do it, right? And so by now, Matthew has done this long enough in his career that he knows about the whispers and the smirks. He knows that his fellow Jews see him as the worst of the worst. But what those people don't know was that Matthew felt trapped. He was hated by his family and friends, despised by the religious leaders, and under the thumb of the Roman rule. And Matthew thought, did they ever stop to consider what things are like for me. You see, at that time, the Roman government not only ruled over the Jews, but they were oppressive. And they would tax the people who were already stricken with poverty. Now, the role of the tax collectors, as you can see, they were closely watched by these Roman uh, rulers and guards. And so the tax collector would say they had to collect 10 denarii from the people, but they would tack on another 20 just so they could make a living. So instead of paying 10, you've got to now pay 30 denarii, and the people had no way to protest against it. Well, Matthew, in our dinner theater today, 
is not only a Jew and a tax collector, but that's a dreadful combination if you are living in the time that he was. Most Jews hated tax collectors and saw them as traitors, as thieves, because they were taking more than they needed to from the people, but they were also working for the government that was corrupting and oppressing them. And as a Jewish tax collector, he would have been hated, despised, even shunned from his family and friends, and in some cases, excommunicated from the synagogue, from the church. So there Matthew is, sitting on his elevated tax booth, taking the taxes like he does every day. And one day a stranger rolled into town. And all of a sudden there was all this buzz and people were just flocking to this strange man. And from his booth, Matthew could hear a little bit of what this man was teaching about. And he heard this man that they were calling Jesus say, God loves you even though you're a sinner. God will forgive your sin and offer you grace and mercy. The kingdom of God is near. Repent. Believe the good news. Well, this was music to Matthew's ears. Could this man, could what he be saying be true and true for him? Could there really be a second chance, an opportunity for a different life? Could there be a way that he could break out from what seems to be chaining him to this tax-collecting booth? But no, how could God, how could God possibly love him? No one else did. Well, I imagine the day went on and people hustling and bustling through the streets and you could hear the coins clanking into the bowl and wheels crunching on the dark road and fabric swishing in the air and Matthew just sitting there holding out his hand and person by person, the denarii coins dropped in his hand and all he had to do was say, next. But then there was a time, there was a moment when no coins fell to his hands and Matthew looked up. And there before him was this man, this teacher, who spoke these words of forgiveness and love and hope. And Matthew kind of shifted nervously in his seat and then he looked up and he peered into the most loving and welcoming eyes. And this man, this man named Jesus, simply said to him, Follow me. Friends, this was the invitation and the permission that Matthew needed to leave behind that tax booth and leave everything else behind. And he got up and he took a deep breath and he walked with Jesus, who then said, let's go to your house for dinner. Speaking of dinner, growing up, we were a family of four who ate most of our meals on a small little table in what we called the breakfast nook, right? And rarely did we eat in the big, beautiful wooden dining room table that was in the dining room. However many, how many people can relate to that? We always ate on that little kitchen table, and we never ate on this big, beautiful wooden table with a china hutch and everything. That was our routine. And I always wondered why. Why did we not just eat at that beautiful big wooden table? Well, partly because most of the time it was covered with piles of paper and newspaper and books and whatever else collected in that dining room table. But you knew someone special was coming to dinner when the piles disappeared, when mom got out the good china, and don't forget the cloth napkins. And if several people were coming to dinner, 
then the magic table would appear. Or at least that's what I called it when I was a little kid. You see, my dad would go into their bedroom and reach underneath the bed and grab this huge, massive piece of wood, and he would split apart the table, and it was like magic to us as little kids. He would split apart the table, he would insert this huge, massive piece of wood that only he could carry, and put it in the middle, and then, like, push the two sides together so that it clicked, and voila, it was a bigger table. And we as kids would excitedly wait to see who was coming to dinner. And if more people showed up than expected, we would go into that breakfast nook, grab those chairs. We would go over, grab the bench from the piano, the chair from the office, and we would make sure that every person had a seat at the table. Now friends, I can imagine that's what happened at Matthew's home that day. You see, as they walked to his house, Matthew's mind was not only swirling with who was this man and what does this mean, but if Matthew's anything like me, I'm thinking, what in the world am I going to fix for dinner? And did I even go to the grocery store the other day? Maybe I just have crackers and soda in the, I don't know, what are we going to do? But one thing that Matthew thought about was, wow, you know, this, this man, this Jesus coming to my house, I want to invite my friends. You know, those disreputable characters called the tax collectors and the other sinners, right? But Matthew called them and said, come, come. And so Matthew invited Jesus to sit at the head of his table, which was a low-lying table. And he said, Jesus, make yourself at home. And then I can imagine Matthew running around, grabbing any cushion or, or blanket that he could find to create a space for all of his friends to sit and to recline at the table. And then, of course, there was the disciples. And, and so he had to grab more of those cushions and, and blankets. He even took one of his cloaks off of his, of his shoulders and folded it and set it nicely on the floor so that nobody would have to sit on the dirt floor. And then Matthew stood back and he looked at all of his friends and the disciples and Jesus and all of the space that he had made it. And he said, voila, look, it's a bigger table. And soon, seated on those mats, blankets, and cloaks were those tax collectors and sinners. You know, the ex-cons, the addicts, the ones whose past mistakes tainted their future, the ones who were on that do-not-invited list. The disciples took their place, intermingled with this motley crew. But I also can imagine that if that table was here today, that what I would also see seated around that table, that the table that made space for them, a, a kid in foster care, a refugee, someone who lost a spouse, a gay teenager disowned by his parents, a homeless single mother, a parent who lost a child, or a person with special needs. There at that table, Jesus greets each and every person with a smile and lets them know that they are a beloved child of God. It is there at that table that gathered a crowd that Jesus could not reach in the synagogues. Did you notice that? There at the table in Matthew's house, Jesus was able to reach people who may not ever step foot in a church there at the table, the wideness of God's mercy embraced those left out and left behind by society. There at the table, all of them, all of them 
ate together as equals and siblings in the family of God. And there at the table, each person experienced communion with God. Excuse me. Friends, creating a bigger table was Jesus' wheelhouse. It was his method of ministry. For Jesus, the table is a tool of connection. The table transcends difference. The table bridges division. The table equalizes, it includes. The table declares that all are welcome and worthy. In his book, A Bigger Table, John, who is an author and a pastor, he has this whole book on what it means to create a bigger table. And I love the title of his book, Building Messy, Authentic, and Hopeful Spiritual Community. I love that. Messy and authentic, right? That's what we seek to be, messy and authentic. And in his book, he said what was most startling was the diversity of Jesus' table. He gathered with priests and prostitutes, with the religious elite and the common street rabble, with the disciples and with his adversaries. And there at the big table, they were all treated with equal dignity. So Jesus shared a meal and broke bread to let people know that they were seen, they were heard, they were valued, and that they mattered. No one was turned away. No one was shunned or kept on the perimeter. Each and every time Jesus met people at the table, he invited them in and included them into this banquet of God's mercy and grace. And friends, isn't that what our table should be too? Whether it's the dining room table in our homes, our coffee table, maybe it's the break room table at work or the cafeteria table at school or even our Lord's table here. Each and every person is to be invited and included. So friends, today I want us to renew our commitment to inviting people to the table, our open table, to create a bigger table and if that requires us to, to gather more chairs, to insert that wooden, massive piece of wooden uh, insert into the table, and to create that bigger table, we will. So I wonder who do you know needs to hear that invitation to come, to come as you are, for this is a table that is welcome and available to you. I hope that you will think about how to extend that invitation to people that you know, to people that you love, to people who need to come and to meet Jesus here. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We're going to close today with a song for everyone born. If you were here last Sunday afternoon at the installation service, you heard our choir share a beautiful rendition of this song. And while it's two weeks in a row in some sense, this was another perfect song for our time together today as we think about renewing our commitment to a bigger table. We want for everyone born to realize that they can come here and they are loved and included. So I invite you to stand and let us sing together. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. 
If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, may you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.